You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. Welcome back. You're listening to The Wire on 95BFM. For an ancient philosophy, Stoicism is doing quite good in our times. On Instagram, there's an, an abundance of Stoic quotes. For example, the more we value things outside our control, the less control we have. Or we suffer more in imagination than in reality. I spoke with Neil Durant about his article, article on why we shouldn't be Stoic, but should maybe listen to philosopher Nietzsche instead. I started off by asking him, what is Stoicism actually? I mean, Stoicism is an ancient philosophy from um, from Greece. It had a life of a long life in Greece, so there are different um, versions of Stoicism. But I think one of the features of Stoicism, along with other um, schools of ancient Greek philosophy, is that it sees itself as a way of life, as a practical guide to living, um, not as some esoteric theoretical thing. So, if you were Stoic, uh, you sort of took on board a certain way of living. Uh, and that living includes some of the um, sort of features of, of Greek philosophy, like um, what they call uh, ataraxia, which is this idea of not getting overwhelmed by strong emotions and having a sense of equanimity and sort of stability in your inner life. And um, I think one of the most central features of Stoicism related to that is what they call the dichotomy of control. So just being aware in Stoicism, being aware of what you do and don't control and their theory was that you control uh, yourself or what's in your own mind you can't control anything in the world out there so the the key to ataraxia or to having equanimity or stability in your inner life was to accept that a distinction between what you can control and what you can't control yeah you state that stoicism is quite popular right now mm. Why, why do you think that is? Why is it doing so good, this strength of philosophy? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, there, there are some academics like Donald Robertson who have started this kind of revival of modern Stoicism in the academic world. But I actually think the popularity of Stoicism as a sort of contemporary way of thinking, I think uh, Ryan Holiday has, has a lot to do with that. So he's a, a person who has really done a lot of work online to promote uh, Stoicism. He's not an academic philosopher. He comes from a marketing background. I think he's he worked for American Apparel or something like that. So he's applied all of those marketing techniques to um, to bring Stoicism to a very wide audience, which is, I think, very welcome that philosophy comes to a wide audience. Um, I think he's done a lot for bringing Stoicism to that audience. And then there are others. I mean, I think the whole um, Instagram, inspo quotes, philosophy quotes kind of phenomenon um, has kind of added to that. So um, Stoicism, you know, there are a thousand different accounts you can find on Twitter and Instagram of just quoting Stoic, uh, you know, sort of memorable quotes. So I think all of those phenomena come together um, to make Stoicism popular. But I also think there's something in the, the contemporary, um, in the ether, so to speak, where people are looking for guidance on how to live. Uh, I think our societies are kind of post-Christian, post-Judeo-Christian. And what Nietzsche talked about is the death of God being like the end of a framework, a very clear, reliable framework for thinking about how to live. Once that's gone, people are looking for guidance or some sort of authority on the best way to live their lives. And so you combine all of that, and I think you can see Stoicism as some clear guidance on how to live, and people are hungry for that. Yeah, you're also a bit critical on Stoicism. Why 
do you think we shouldn't all be diehard stoic? Because, I mean, the, the article that I wrote for the conversation, which is where a lot of this has come from, you know, I was looking at what people, I was reading what people are writing about um, stoicism, so the modern stoic interpretations of ancient stoicism. And what you find there is that people identify problems with stoicism, but they just kind of gloss over them and go, oh, well, I can see that that's a problem, but it's not something I'm going to address and this kind of drive to have guidance in life overtakes a kind of rational judgment about what stoicism offers. So I got really frustrated with that. And, um, you know, and I've read the Stoics myself, and I find reading the Stoics really frustrating because at key points, just when you're sort of wondering how it all comes together, they will often rely on concepts that I don't accept, like a concept of God, for example. If you read Epictetus, you know, you sort of read on, yep, 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 and then you go, oh, that's a problem, and his solution is, quote-unquote, God. And for me, that's not an adequate solution. So I'm like, well, actually, I think isn't there's some value in it being an ancient philosophy, but there's also disvalue in it being an ancient philosophy <laughs> because the worldview, the understanding of the way the world works, the understanding of human beings and their place in the universe is very, very different to the sort of post-scientific or current scientific understanding of that. And so, you know, there are things that we can actually say, yep, I'm glad I've got that insight from an ancient person, but also they are an ancient person and their understanding of the world is not the same as mine. And I would reject a number of things that are proposed. So I guess I get kind of frustrated by reading the Stokes as if it was another Bible, like some ultimate authority that we absolutely have to believe because it's ancient. Awesome. No, no, my judgment about things, what I think about things, is what I have to rely on. And if I disagree with something I read in the Stoics, <clears throat> I'll disagree. Um, and so that's kind of where that article and the idea of critiquing Stoicism came from, um, that, you know, we are free to make our own judgments about what the Stoics have to say. And if you disagree, as I do, with many of the Stoic um, sort of positions on things, well, then I'm, I'm free to say so and to develop my own understanding of how to live. Yeah, we, we take a too religious approach. For... Yeah, exactly. We take a kind of, um, we take it as an absolute authority and sort of this idea that it, it must be right because it's come from, ooh, Marcus Aurelius. Or, you know, uh, but, you know, Marcus Aurelius was a guy. He had lots of good things, lots of bad things. Um, and same with all of these, these people. They're just people trying to figure out things out. And um, I think they'll get some things wrong along the way. Nietzsche is a better approach, you think? Could you explain that? Yeah, I mean, look, I've been um, reading Nietzsche uh, for a long time. Um, Nietzsche's had a very significant impact on my life. Yeah, you know, I, I used to be um, an ordained uh, priest in the Anglican Church, um, and reading Nietzsche, reading Albert Camus, reading Jean-Paul Sartre, these guys changed my mind, and, you know, I had to change. I lost my faith, I lost my job, I lost everything because of reading Nietzsche and others and thinking, well, actually, I think these guys are right. Um, I agree with them. And that had a very profound impact on my life. So I, I just think Nietzsche is um, one of those under-recognized geniuses who, I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with Nietzsche, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but for me, when he's right, he's devastatingly right. And um, so I really love I love his philosophy. I think uh, I'm very keen to take his philosophy to a wide audience the way that Holiday has done with the Stoics. What way is Nietzsche right about Stoicism? Yeah, I mean, I think Nietzsche's, Nietzsche has this kind of 
very firmly grounded pragmatism about what human beings are. So he's for, for Nietzsche, there's no ought. There's no like, you shouldn't feel that way, or you shouldn't do that, or you ought to be different to what you are. Nietzsche is just like, you are what you are. And you know, human beings, uh, there's a lot of good things about being human, um, love and compassion and kindness and care for others. There's a lot of other parts of being human. There's there's hatred, there's greed, there's contempt, there's disgust, there's and Nietzsche just says, accepts all of it. He just kind of goes, This is what it's like to be human. And have feeling really strong emotions like love or hatred or like respect or contempt or like attraction and disgust. These things are just part of life. And so for him to kind of try to to say to somebody, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Don't be thrown off your internal equanimity by strong emotions. For him, that's just nonsense. I mean, that is what it's like to be human. So instead of saying it shouldn't be that way, you should be different, you should take control, he says, well, just find a way to ride those waves. Find a way to make it productive and useful in your life. It's going to be there one way or the other. So instead of saying you shouldn't have it, just make use of it. And for me, that's a much more kind of realistic and it's very liberating kind of approach to say, well, whatever you experience is fine. You just have to figure out how to make it a benefit to yourself and to other people. And for me, I just really like that approach. I think it's really different um, to what you, you generally find in the world of ethics. That was Neil Durant, adjunct fellow in the philosophy department at Macquarie University with a research interest in applied ethics, specializing in Nietzsche studies. You can also go to his Instagram at Neil Durant, where he is using quotes of Nietzsche to reflect on concepts as friendship, love and joy. That was a 95BFM podcast. To hear more, head to 95BFM.com slash bcasts.